Good evening. Good evening. Just to let you know, um, Jimmy's put some different spots up here, so my face might appear a little redder than normal. It's not because I was irresponsible yesterday and didn't put sun cream on. It's just some different lighting that we're working on. It's just a trial thing. Um, I hope you're enjoying the sun. Let me add uh, Tim to Tim's welcome, um, particularly if you're new here, if you're not entirely sure what's going on, if you're new to church and this seems strange to you, welcome, it's, uh, great to have you here. We're going to be celebrating Palm Sunday today. We're going to be looking at the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem on a mission and how he was received. I wonder if you can just um, breathe deeply. Don't worry, I'm not going to start a yoga class. It's not going to be Pilates. Do you know, the majority of the time, we don't breathe deeply enough. There's, there's um, some interesting studies that have been done about the importance of breathing deeply. Breathing deeply. And one of my senses as I prayed about um, what God wants to communicate to us today is that we would go away able to breathe a little deeper that we would be aware of, of what it is that we are intaking, that we would breathe deeply. So we find ourselves today looking at expectancy. I want to look at expectancy. Uh, we are at the crossroads on this day with um, an interesting date Palm Sunday celebrated in the church worldwide um, as a significant day in the lead up to Easter, um, celebrated all over the place. Um, but also there's a certain amount of expectancy for us in the life of our church at the moment as we look to some changes, some big changes. If you're not aware, if you're new to us, if you're visiting, we have a, a new team rector coming to join us at the end of this month. And there's a certain amount of expectancy some might be positive, there might be fearfulness, there might be strange wonderings. But I'm going to look at this passage and see if there's something that we can learn about our own lives and what it is to be expectant, to be anticipating the work of God and where we can avoid some of the pitfalls of uh, being expect, expecting certain things. How does that sound? Great. Well, we're going to turn to Mark 11 and uh, get straight into this passage what a privilege it is to read God's word together. Thanks, James. If we can have that on the screen. So this is Jesus and his disciples. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, 
he went out to Bethany with the twelve. He looked around at everything, but it was, it was already late. For those of you who aren't aware of this particular passage, the everything he's looked around at is um, all these money changes, all the um, indications that the temple had not was not being used as it should have been. It wasn't. It was supposed to be a house of prayer, and it became this den of robbers, thieves, uh, and it was it was a being turned into a, a center for economics rather than for the gathering of, of, of God's people. And so he, he kicks up a fuss the next day, but that, the night in his, after his first entrance, he kind of looks around and sees it and doesn't um, do anything because it's late. So this is this arrival into Jerusalem, and there's a whole host of people who are incredibly excited, a whole host of people who have seen what Jesus has been up to, and they might have been aware that Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. There's a whole lot of anticipation around this person of Jesus and what he's going to do and what he's about. There's a real excitement and anticipation. There's a whole bunch of people who are expecting a certain thing. They're expecting a certain thing that Jesus might do, a rescue of some sorts. Now, this wouldn't be the first rescue 100, in 164 BC, so 160, 100, 200 years before this. Um, they were, Jerusalem was subject to the Seleucid Empire and a particularly fierce ruler. And there's a, the, the Maccabean Revolt, you may, you may be aware of. A guy called Judah Maccabeus um, led this revolt of the Jews. Um, and they stormed into Jerusalem. And at that point, there was a waving of palm leaves. There was all sorts of this, this revolt, the kind of uprising of the Jews who had been oppressed, uh, whose worship had been stopped by this um, overseeing empire. And, and they were desperate for breakthrough. They were desperate for some sort of release, some sort of of um, freedom again to be able to worship in the way that God had uh, called them to and, and freedom again around this particularly important place of worship for them, Jerusalem and the temple. And so there was a, they overthrew that particular empire at that time. And maybe there's people in the crowds on that Palm Sunday who are thinking, great, we're going to get rid of the Roman Empire now because again, at this point, the Jews are subject to a governance by, by a people that makes life particularly uncomfortable for them. They were still allowed to worship as the Romans were pretty polytheistic. They, they were really comfortable with all sorts of different gods. But there was a huge oppression around what they could and couldn't do. And the Jews didn't have freedom. So this crowd is built up of all sorts of people who have expectations and have their own agendas. And they're welcoming Jesus in. And I guess one of my main questions for us tonight is, what is your agenda when you invite Jesus? What is your agenda when you're inviting Jesus? I don't know what it is that, that you're inviting Jesus into. Maybe you've got a problem. Maybe it's not a city that's under uh, foreign rule. Maybe there's some stuff that you're seeing where cities are, where there's big scale impact of, of oppression that that's disturbs you. But maybe it's something more local. Maybe there's stuff going on for you and you're inviting Jesus. There's a problem here, Jesus, and I'm inviting you into it. I'm anticipating, I'm expecting you to come and bring rescue. I'm excited. 
The danger is we could get into our own agendas with that. The things that we expect God to do. Just going to look at a little formula. Problems plus Jesus equals. I don't know if you've ever done that. A problem plus Jesus equals. You've got a problem. There's something that you're praying for big time. There's something that you're hoping for. Problem plus Jesus equals. And it's so easy to fill that gap in. I know what it would look like if Jesus turned up at this time. And this is Palm Sunday all over the place. People are like, I know what this is going to look like. Judas as we know later on, had this idea of Jesus being this conquering king who would be a military ruler and perhaps became completely disillusioned and missed Jesus, even betrayed him because he had his own agenda. I wonder if we're in danger of missing Jesus, even betraying him because we bring our agenda to Palm Sunday, to Jesus coming. I want us to breathe deeply, to breathe in Jesus, to invite him on his terms and let him decide what problem plus Jesus equals. We'd love to have a formula, wouldn't we? We'd love to have a formula. Are we expecting God to do something or are we expectant? Just gonna look at the two dictionary definitions because I like to do this. Expecting versus expectancy. And I wanna suggest that it's good for us to be expectant but perhaps we need to avoid expecting. Great, James, if we could. So expectation, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case. If you're expecting something, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case. And what about expectancy? The state of thinking or hoping that something, especially something good, will happen. Now you might look at those and think there's not a huge difference to them. There's not a huge difference. A strong belief that something will happen. The state of thinking or hoping that something, especially something good, will happen. Well, there's a bunch of people back on Palm Sunday who were expecting Jesus to, to bring a certain freedom to them. They thought Jesus has been doing some amazing things. We've seen the miraculous work of God. And so we're going to add this equation up, Jesus plus our problem equals, and they're expecting dot, dot, dot. Where are you expecting? Where have you expected God to do something in the past? You, you, you faced a situation, maybe it was an illness, maybe it was some physical stuff that you were going through, maybe uh, you had some dreams of where you would be in your life or what it would look like if you became a Christian that things would get simpler or easier Maybe you had hopes for your kids and how things would turn out for them. You're expecting that if you prayed this or if you did that, it would result in dot, dot, dot. I want to suggest to you that there's a danger in expecting a certain thing, in finishing that equation and saying, I think I know what Jesus would look like when I invite him. We invite Jesus, but perhaps what we're inviting is ease or solutions Maybe we're not able to see that inviting Jesus might mean suffering rather than just solutions. The difference for me between expecting and expectancy is one's a presumption and one's, a, a, I think, a posture, 
a posture of, I'm expectant. If Jesus is coming, if I'm inviting Jesus into this situation and this problem, I can be expectant because God is good. He is good. And this is the miracle working God that I'm inviting into the situation. So the lid's off in terms of what could be, in terms of the possibilities, in terms of the incredible nature of God. He's just, he, he's just rescued Lazarus from, from death and brought him back to life. So the, the expectancy levels are high within this community. But some of them are in danger of going, well, I'm expecting this outcome. And so, spoiler alert here, what happens at the end is Jesus is crucified. And that was never what a whole load of people were expecting. It's never what a whole bunch of people were expecting. They were expectant. The reason this is so important is because it changes our capacity to involve Jesus in our lives. It changed Peter's. He wasn't expecting a suffering servant. And so when it came to betraying Jesus three times, there's a bunch of people who are asking, aren't you a Jesus follower? He could have witnessed to the Messiah, but instead he doesn't recognize this sufferer. He struggles. And I wonder if there are similar disconnects for us. I want us to look at Luke 24. You can turn there. It's not going to be on the screens. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to open them to Luke 24. And we're going to read about two people who were walking home disappointed because they had certain expectations of what Jesus was going to do. This is after Jesus has died. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. They're leaving Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. I love that picture. They've got the risen Jesus Christ next to them and they're all sullen and sad. It's hilarious. They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Questions Jesus. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. And these three words, we had hoped he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough his body was gone just as the women had said. And then Jesus very kindly says to them, you foolish people. I, I, I wonder if God might want to say that to a few people tonight. In all love. 
in all love. Do you know what? There's so much that we may be missing of Jesus because we want to sing about the Lion of Judah, but we struggle with the Lamb who was slain. That's why I love that song we sang earlier because it's got both. It's got both. You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus did one of the best Bible studies ever in the world. Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. Who wants to be there? Who wants to read the transcript on that one? Phenomenal. Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. And by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted, <laughs> sneaky, as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them and they sat down to eat. He took the bread, blessed it, then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. I find it interesting that it is at the breaking of something that they were able to recognize Jesus. And isn't it strange that often when stuff breaks in our life, we miss him. We miss him. I love this passage. And I, I've got a feeling that God wants to speak to us through it. What I love about this passage is there's two people who are aware of the scriptures, who are aware of some of the happenings, who had been expecting those three words, we had hoped. We had hoped that he would be the Messiah. And then it went down this completely different route. And Jesus comes and says, you are stupid. You foolish people. You foolish people. This, this was exactly what's been spoken of. This was exactly what was going to happen. This is what everything points to in the scriptures. So many scriptures he would have used to point to this coming king who was going to suffer. And bring redemption. We had hoped. We're going to do some praying in a, in a short while. And I wonder if there's some things that you had hoped. I wonder if there's some things that you had hoped. That Jesus would be for you. My guess is there's all sorts of that in this room. Things that you had hoped that Jesus would be. Or you had hoped would happen when you prayed. I think Jesus wants to be invited again into your heart. I think Jesus wants to be invited again. I think I would love to recreate this Palm Sunday moment tonight. We have such the benefit of hindsight, such the benefit of hindsight in being able to say, okay, we know how it ends. We know how it ends. Of course, we'd be there. We'd be there with palm leaves going, yeah, come on, Jesus, come and die. I would love for us to invite Jesus again. I wonder if you'd mind me speaking a little bit into this church specifically. We're talking about the coming Messiah today, but I also want to talk about Andrew Blythe. 
And I want to be bold in suggesting to you that those two things are not the same. I know. I know. It's, <clears throat> is, am I hoping that Andrew's going to be too busy to be watching these podcasts or am I treading a dangerous line here? <clears throat> I would love for us to be full of expectancy as a church. I would love for us to be full of expectancy as a church because God's doing stuff. He's got a plan. But I really would love for us to be careful about what palm leaves we're waving and why when it comes to Andrew joining us, Andrew and Nikki and their girls joining this family. I'm really excited. I'm expectant. But I've got to be aware that I've got my agendas and I've got my comfy slippers here at this church, the things that I enjoy. And so the idea of someone else coming and maybe making decisions or differences, what if stuff has to die? What if we suffer as a result of some of the decisions that are made? Are we expecting certain things about Andrew coming? Or are we expectant? I would love to encourage you to continue to invite Jesus in. I would love for you to, to just be expectant that Jesus is coming. The best hope we have in this church is that Jesus would come to us again. That the Holy Spirit would be poured out and that we would get to be obedient again to Jesus Christ. And there's a promise in scripture that says that we will in this world have trouble. But take heart because he has overcome the world. He's overcome the world. We're definitely going to tr have trouble. But Jesus has overcome the world. I think there's lots to look forward to. There's lots that we would anticipate, but we would do ourselves a favor if we lay down some of our agenda, lay down some of the things that we really want to see happen and look to him. So, just a quick summary. Jesus would love to be invited into your life again, but on his terms, not yours. He would love for you to allow him to finish that formula that problem plus Jesus dot 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 but let me just say that we can be incredibly expectant we can be incredibly expectant of what happens when we say Jesus we have got a big problem but you are a big God this dot 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 in your hands is an amazing opportunity we're expectant we believe in a miraculous God we believe in the God who raises people from the dead we're expectant when it comes to praying for our friends at school. We're expectant when it comes to all sorts of things. But we're also surrendered about God and his will. My encouragement is that just as those disciples had this amazing Bible study, my encouragement to you is that you invite God afresh to say, okay, Jesus, would you show me who you are through your scripture, through your Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself? What it looks like to be broken. And what it looks like to bring in victory. Because there's something of the truth of Jesus coming to Jerusalem to suffer means that we can go back to Jerusalem as the, as the disciples on the Emmaus Road did to receive the Holy Spirit in power. They didn't have to go and be crucified necessarily. They got to go in because of 
Jesus' suffering, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of them did end up being crucified. But we won't end on that note. But we will be willing. So maybe you want to ask God to reveal himself by his spirit afresh tonight. Maybe you want to invite Jesus in again and say, God, I recognize where I've had my own agenda when I've invited you in. And I want you to reveal yourself in a fresh way. Why don't we stand? I think it would be great to do some, some praying. do this but I think we might um, I just want to show you a few little um, pictures from a book written by one of my favourite children's authors it's called The Mottled Pot and it's about this little pot that gets really excited about the, the, the potter and imagines what the potter might be making him for he's really excited is he going to be a vase that's going to be used in a particular way um, is he going to hold perfume? Is he going to be used um, to, to, to hold oil or something for a king? And gets really excited. If we could have the next. And he looks at some of the other pots and he gets excited. What am I going to be used for? What is it? What's the plan? And he gets put on this workbench. But then the potter comes along and takes a nail and a hammer. And starts to chisel into his side. And it hurts like nothing else. This potter who he trusted starts to take chips out of him and holes and knock away at this jar. Suddenly, the hope of holding perfume just sinks away. And see that little face, he's devastated. That night, the mottled pot, that's fine, stood alone on the workbench. Shame, disappointment, and anger filled him as he felt each one of the holes and wondered what his fellow pots would think. He had thought that the potter loved him. What had the potter done? How could the mottled pot be used now? He was pretty angry. He was pretty angry. I don't know if there's some pretty angry people in here, or maybe you know people who are pretty angry. And the reason they're not here is because they got angry, because they invited Jesus in, and Jesus didn't do what they had hoped. And that is so painful. It's so painful when Jesus and our agenda don't collide in a way that works. And yet the story ends that the potter takes him on a dark night, puts him in a room and drops a candle in and he lights up this whole place when suddenly a bright light scattered the darkness before he had time to work out what was happening. The potter dropped a candle right into the core of the mottled pot. Instantly the, the room was filled with beautiful dancing patterns. I think there's great imagery here of what it is to be soft in, our, in the hands of our creator and to trust him. Not that he does all the painful stuff that puts holes in us, but that he uses them for his glory. So let's pray. Jesus, I just want to ask that you would minister right now into 
sick hearts. Minister into those places, Lord, where we have hoped, where we have expected, and where there's real disappointment. Jesus, we believe in you. Lord, we believe that you are the lion and the lamb. And I want to thank you, God, that you that you came and you conquered by giving your life. And Lord, we confess that sometimes we struggle to conquer because we hold our lives back. recognize Lord where we have invited you in but failed to recognize you in pain or in suffering in challenges or problems and we confess again that we want to do we want you to do your work we want to be fashioned for you and for your glory we'd love to pray for some people specifically any reason for you to come forward for prayer we'd love just to pray for anyone if you are just tired you're just tired today you're just feeling weary and you want someone to lay a hand on you and pray for the Holy Spirit to come then just come we, we reserve this space at the front because we're excited about God doing more than we could do with our words but with a, an outpouring of his power I specifically want to invite you if, if those words we had hoped are poignant ones to you if you would love to invite Jesus to have a conversation with you around your dreams the things that you had hoped would happen or you feel disappointed I also want to encourage you to, to come forward if you are hungry for God these disciples on the road to Emmaus begged Jesus to stay they begged Jesus to stay and they were able to meet with him in, in a precious way as he broke bread with them if you're hungry to connect with God again particularly through his word I would love for you to come forward I would love to pray for you